morning, church. You're in Ephesians chapter 6. And so if you would open your Bible to that great book of the Scriptures. And uh, parents, this is the one you've been waiting for. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. And so you've been waiting and waiting for this one. And um, so hopefully the Lord will do work in our lives and in our families. I want to talk about children for Christ. We'll look at Ephesians 6, 1 through 4 this morning. Now, here's something interesting to me. That Paul addresses a section of this great letter to the churches. That he addresses a section specifically to children. Should alert us to a couple of realities. First of all, that children were valued by the first century church. This was counterculture, by the way. The Greco-Roman culture did not value children like that. Instead, if they got tired of a child, they may take the child down to the trash heap and leave them. And someone would come by and get the child and turn them into a gladiator or a prostitute or a slave or whatever. But the world in that day did not have a value of children, much like what we see in our own nation today, we kill them before they ever see the light of day. Secondly, what this should alert us to, that this section of the scriptures is specifically addressed to children, is that children, valued and loved children, that they actually took in a significant truth from the first five chapters of this letter. Children were listening to this letter being read and taught in the church. Now, the problem with uh, adults is this. We do not think children are absorbing much from the sermon. We think that children need something else because they're not getting anything out of the sermon. I have a file folder in my office that would absolutely contradict that type of thinking. Here's the reason why we think children do not get anything out of sermons that are preached by an adult to an adult. We think that children are as hard-hearted as we are, that they are as apathetic about the Scriptures as we are, that they are as unconcerned about God as we are, and that they are as unteachable and rebellious as we are as adults. But in my experience, what I find is this. Many times children are squirming all over the place and taking in a great deal of truth. While adults sit still as statues and take in just about as much. Do not underestimate the power of the preached word of God in the life of a child. Just because you're not interested doesn't mean that they're not. Let the little children come to me. For such is the kingdom of heaven, Jesus said. So what does the Bible say to children specifically here in this part of the Bible? 
So we assume these words are encouraging for believing children, right? We assume that these children that are listening to this are believers. But also this, those who are not believers will recognize that they do not live up to the standard and recognize that something is wrong in their hearts. And by recognizing something is wrong in their hearts, perhaps by the grace of God, they'll turn to Jesus. So this is an important section of the scripture, not just for instruction in your household, but also for the purpose of evangelism. Now, the letters of Paul, they have household codes And you will notice that the book of Ephesians has a section like that as well. Where you talk about the relationship of husband and wife. Then the children. And then bond servants and masters in the home. And so that's just kind of a a normal thing in the teaching of scripture. And so today we look at that section having to do with the relationship between children and their parents. So let's talk about this. First of all the habit of children for Christ. Children who are followers of Christ... What should their habit be? Verse 1 tells us, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, the requirement for obedience. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. The word obey is in the present tense. And the word is a matter of habit. That means it's a habit. Children should habitually be obeying their parents. That should be their demeanor. That should be their practice as followers of Jesus. Every once in a while, I have a child here at tell come to me and say, Pastor Tim, I want to be baptized. I'm like, good, I'm glad you do. Uh, we'll talk about that. Here's what I want you to do, though. I want you to obey your parents right now. Sometimes they'll just kind of sit down, defeated. The mark of someone whose heart is being changed is that Now then, that Jesus is in their life, they're going to be like Jesus, who was obedient to his parents. Children, obey your parents. It's a matter of habit. This means to hear and to put yourself under the authority of the parent and do what you are told. Too many families today, the child is the one in authority and the parents are scrambling around trying to obey the child. It's inverted and perverted. It's wrecking the family. You are producing human beings that believe that they are the center of the solar system. And the rest of we adults are supposed to busy ourselves making them happy. Obey your parents. Julie and I were talking about this earlier. We grew up, of course, in a different generation. But my parents... Often uh, we would go after church or uh, especially on Sunday night or sometime during the week. We'd go to, to another family's house, another family of our church, and they had kids. And so we could go over there and play. And many times you'd have a, a meal. It might not be anything fancy. Maybe hot dogs or hamburgers or something. We'd all eat together. But my parents never failed to do this. They would say before we left the house, now listen to me. Children are meant to be seen And not heard. And when you sat at the table with adults. You kept your mouth shut as a child. You were not the center of attention. As a matter of fact you didn't exist. What were they trying to teach you? That you are here. And others are here. Know your place in society. Know where you both. See we've we've forgotten that. 
We think, every, we think everybody is exactly the same. And everybody has exactly the same right to have the same voice about everything. And we teach our children that. We teach our children to join in a conversation of adults. What in the world? They don't know their place. You know what that tells me? I know what's going on in the home. You're telling them it's time to take the garbage out. And they're saying, you take it out. That's what's going on in the home. Because they think that they're grown up. They think they're the center of the universe. You have not taught them that they are to obey their parents. Meaning that they are under your authority. Uh, my, one of my sons, not the one present. We were... We were, you know, living in this pastoring church. We were living in Knoxville. And we had a little house, uh, maybe a thousand square feet. It's probably our favorite house ever. My wife said, I can clean this thing in one day. But I, I had this old green recliner. I mean, it was, it was ugly. I'm trying to find something in this room just as ugly. Maybe some of you have a shirt on I can use, for example. But, but it was ugly. It's, it's green like fake leather, you know. And uh, so I, see, I come home from work, and that's where I would sit down, you know, prop my feet up a little bit. And my son said, uh, when am I going to get to sit in a green chair? He said, whenever you start paying the bills. You ain't, you, you're the kid. This, this, this here, it ain't yours. I'm just even allowing your feet to touch the floor. By right, you ought to levitate. Everything here is by grace, dude. They would, they would go, yeah, they go to bed at night thanking God for their mother. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, you gave us a mother. And dad is just always, but you know, I'm trying to teach them that, you know, there's, you're under somebody's authority. You, you don't own nothing. You're under somebody else's authority. And you know what we have now is we have a generation of people in church that don't want to be under anybody's authority. I mean, we got, we got people in here that, you know, you, you talk to me like, you know, I'm one of the criminals in the neighborhood or something. I'm your spiritual authority because I'm your pastor. Do you know what the Bible says to Christians, to a pastor? Obey. Do you know why you don't obey? Your parents didn't teach you to obey. You know what you're doing? You're teaching your children not to obey. You know what the result of that is? That's why you have a free-for-all in churches now. There's no order to anything. There's no order in the home. There's no order in the church. There's no order in society. Just because we as parents have not taught children this simple command. That it is the habit of Christian children to be obedient to their parents. Why do it? In the Lord. That is out of reverence for Christ. Not because you have the greatest parents, but because if you're a follower of Jesus, it is what you do. Now, the reason for obedience, it says, for this is right. The word right means righteous. If you're a child, you need no other reason to obey your parents than this one reason. God says it's right. That's the only, you don't, you don't need it. That's all you need to know. That God says that it's right. Children, why do you obey your parents? Because God says it's right. How many children we got in here? Raise your hand. Good. 
Okay, I'm going to ask you a question and then I want you to respond. Why do you obey your parents? Because it's right. Just because it's right. Okay, it's the right thing to do. You say, Pastor, you don't know my dad. Well, I do know your dad and I know he's a terrible parent. But still. (laughs) Now, the scripture here, of course, is not saying, children, that you obey your parents if your parents are trying to get you to do something that God says don't do. You're going to have to find a way to get out of that. You may have to go tell somebody. Tell your grandparents. They'll help you. That's, that's the one caveat. But otherwise, obey your parents. If it's against the Bible, don't do it. But otherwise, obey your parents. Why? Because God says it's right. Remember this. The parent represents God to you. That's the authority that God has placed over you. Now, the parent is not the replacement for God. Your parent's not going to be perfect like God. So, that's not the case. But it is the person that is in authority over you. In the life outside, let's say the police force, they're in authority over me as a citizen. They're not perfect people. They don't do everything right. As a matter of fact, sometimes they do wrong. But the general principle is, in the Bible, that I put myself under the civil authorities that God has placed over me. Now, if they do something ungodly, then I should say, that's not right. And I can take whatever recourse I want to take about that particular situation to correct that particular situation. But I must not adopt a mindset of absolute rebellion against all authority everywhere. And we must not let our children do that as well. So the habit for children for Christ is that they obey their parents. Now what is the heart? The heart of children for Christ, verses 2 and 3. This speaks to the heart. Verse 2 and 3 says, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. That it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Now, the mindset that's needed, honor your father and mother. To honor touches on the attitude of the heart. Obedience is the duty of the child. But honor is to be the disposition of the child. Yes, you obey. But you obey from the heart. To honor your parent is to value your parent. To see your parent as someone who is extremely important. Of ultimate value to you. You are to treat your parent with kindness. With courtesy. Let me ask you a question, children. If you treated your friends like you treat your parent, would you have any friends? You're to treat your parents with kindness and courtesy. They are not the Antichrist because they tell you to turn the television off. The parent has a ranking and a status in life that demands your respect. Do you know why? People are so disrespectful in their words and actions, let's say as adults, toward the President of the United States. Because you were not taught how to be respectful toward a position and status in life, even if you disagreed. 
You know what you're doing, parents, when you go home and you slander Joe Biden and you talk down about him and ugly. You know what you're, you know what you're communicating to your children? They don't care about politics. What you're communicating to them is that if somebody does something over you that's in authority, that you have every right to be as ugly as you want to be. You're teaching your children. Some of you are so simple-minded now, you're going, oh, the preacher voted for Joe Biden. You're that simple-minded. Give me a break. Think! What did Peter say to do about Caesar? Honor him. Be honorable, be respectful. Why? Because the reputation of Christ depends upon it. We're here, we're as ambassadors for a kingdom and we're here to represent that kingdom. And so we have to teach our children the same way. We have a king that's over us. And now we're the authority under our king over them. One of these days they'll grow up. And they'll have to present that authority over their own children in the right way. So we have to show that to them. We want them to have a heart of obedience. Children, you don't honor your parents when you huff and puff when you're told to do something. Oh, you had to do something hard like get the garbage out of the garbage can in a plastic bag and not even get your hands dirty. Walk a grand total of 15 feet, not even have to go outside and put it in the garbage can and get this and get this. Come back in and put a, a liner back in the garbage can. Whoa. Oh, that's horrible. That's dishonoring to your parents when you do like that. You know what the answer is to be? Yes, ma'am. And it's not sit around on the couch until you get ready. It's not until you level up with Mario. It's to get your carcass up immediately and yes ma'am and take care of business. That's how you honor your parents. Or when you pout. Dad won't let me get half naked and go to the prom. What kind of father is that? Doesn't he know I'm going to miss out on the social event of the year? It's a good idea to do like I did. Y'all forget high school. Honestly, it's of not that much value. Or when you whine. Really? Do we have to? Why do we have to do that? Or when you talk back. When you show disrespect for your parents like that, you're showing disrespect toward God. Because God said to honor your parents. That is, that you're to have a heart toward your parents that shows how much you value them. And that you respect the status in life that they have over you. He's told us to honor them and respect them. And we disobey him when we dishonor them.
That's the principle. Now, what's the motivation? That it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. The second commandment of the, of the Decalogue, of the Ten Commandments, it does have a promise attached to it as well. And so you'd say, well, how is this the first commandment with promise? Well, the promise is connected with the second commandment is a promise in general really to the whole Ten Commandments. It applies to all of it. This is though, this, this commandment about honor your father and mother is the only one that has a promise directly connected to it. And the promise is that it may go well with you, you may live long in the land. Now, Moses, of course, when that was written, meant the literal land of Israel. It may go well with you. And he wasn't kidding. Exodus twenty-one fifteen says, what? Whoever strikes his father or mother shall be put to death. Whoever curses his father or his mother shall be put to death. Deuteronomy 21 tells us that if you have a son who's disobedient and rebellious and you can't do anything with him, you take him to the elders of the town and say, we can't do anything with this kid. And they say, that's fine, let us handle it. And they take him out and stone him to death. Now we all applaud the stoning to death of a murderer, an adulterer, and all those kinds of people. But what about little Johnny? Do you know why God did that? It's because a child like that will wreck society. Now, we do it differently here. We, we don't stone them to death. We take them and put them behind a fence and let them play out in the yard and live off taxpayer money for the rest of their life. Much more humane, don't you think? This is serious business. So when Moses said that it may go well with you, you may live long in the land, he wasn't kidding. Neither were my parents. Why though? Why such a harsh punishment over something that doesn't seem like that big of a deal? Why that kind of punishment in Israel in those days over something as simple as this? Here's the reason. Because parents represent God. And your defiance of them was to defy God. It's a kind of idolatry. It's to worship yourself rather than worshiping God. But something else that's important here. How does this apply to us today? Well, every parent will receive today a, a bag of rocks as you leave. And um, no. how, how does this apply? How, how do we, what do we make of this? We have to remember that in the Old Testament, it's a shadow of something else. It's, a, it's an illustration of a, of a deeper and eternal spiritual truth. What is that? Well, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 2 reminds us that disobedience to parents is an expression of non-saved people. Children who are constantly and continually in a state of disobedience to their parents they're in a state of rebellion not only against their parents but against God it's a sign that they're not saved it's an important issue and if Moses was referring to the literal land of Israel here then we must understand this command as being that it may go well with you and you may live long in the land it must represent the ultimate land of promise the new Jerusalem so then it becomes obvious doesn't it that the kind of people who live in defiance of their parents are not in a right relationship with God. 
Parents, did you ever realize that you gave birth to a little sinner? They start early, lying. You know, we, as parents, I don't know about you guys, but we never, we never had like a day each week and say to our kids, now listen, um, guys, we've been trying to teach you the Bible, but today is disobedience day. We need to teach you about that. Here's how you disobey really well. We never had to teach that lesson. Why? Because they're not born in a right relationship with God. That's why they're disobedient to parents. They're rebellious against everything. Everything that contradicts the flesh. Everything that contradicts their base human instinct. Everything that goes against that. That which is corrupted by the law of sin at work. Everything that's against that, they rebel against it. They lash out. Or you may have a child that's compliant by personality. And what that child does is on the surface, they give the compliant. Yes, ma'am, I'll do it. And they do it, but not with a happy heart. And they don't do it as unto the Lord. They do it to keep from getting a spanking. But inside they're seething with anger. And they do little sneaky things all the time. That's how they rebel. It's just as ugly. It's rebellion to be sure. So here are a couple of cautions. Two cautions that I I want you to get from this. And I I do want you to hear me clearly. I, I did not say. What I did not say. I did not say that your children earn heaven by being nice to their parents. All the parents are let down. Why can't it be that way? Please, God. Children do not earn heaven by being nice to their parents. I didn't say that. I said that dishonoring your parents as a habit is evidence that you do not honor and love Jesus. Secondly, I did not say that as a Christian you never sin against your parents. I did not say that. The teaching here instead is about a way of life. The Christian child will honor his or her parents as a way of life because they want to honor God. That's the reason that they do it. That's the motivation that they need. So the heart of children for Christ, they honor their father and mother. It's their mindset that the parent is valuable. The parent possesses and and is in the position of a status of authority. And they do it out of a heart of honor for their parents. And they do it because God says to do it. And they believe that this is what Christian children do. They honor their parents. Now the help for children. What help do they get? Verse 4 tells us. Fathers, do not provoke. See the moms are like, phew, it is great. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. But bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. What do children need? First of all, they need a tender father. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. How do we provoke them to anger? Here's how we do it. Men, when we expect more from them than they can deliver. They live in a state of frustration. If we're always expecting things from them that they just can't do. Compare them to other kids. Especially other kids in the household. That should provoke them. I'm just trying to give you a lesson on how to provoke them. In case you want to do some of this when you get home guys. 
Be inconsistent with your discipline. Fly off the handle and give them a spanking because you're sick and tired. Rather than because they were directly defiant to authority. Fail to express love to them. Don't tell them you love them. Don't, don't do that. If you do that, then they probably won't be angry with you. So if you really want to provoke them, be sure that you don't express love toward them. Never show them that you approve of them. Keep them guessing. Where they don't ever really know if you approve of them or not. Guys, let me tell you one thing about boys. You're the man. Dad, you're the man. At some point, they got to know from you that you approve of them. There's nothing more important on this earth in their life than to have the approval of their dad. Now, guys, this is hard because let's say you're a guy and you love deer hunting. And you love to get out there and, and get around in the woods and get dirty and rub deer blood on your face. And, you know, you just you feel like you're Rambo or something. Okay, I, I really want you to go hunting where something also hunts you. I think that would be more fun. Okay. But you're raising a boy and he's like, I don't really like that. You know what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to give up some deer hunting in order to do. What if they like golf? You say, Pastor, I'm terrible at golf. Aren't we all? You know what you do? You get those clubs and you get out to the golf course with your son. Because that's what he's interested in. Lord God, I played so many rounds of Super Smash on Nintendo 64 and lost every single time. I, I can't win. Donkey Kong kills me. And I can't win it. And I would just take my medicine every morning before school. Just, just go ahead and take my medicine. I mean, I wanted to reach down and just unplug it. Why? Because that wasn't my interest, but it was one of my son's interests. You, you, you have to spend time. If you're not going to do that, then you're going to provoke them. If you're going to pressure them to pursue your dream for them. Too many parents do this. They wish they would have done something else with their life. So now they're going to force that onto their kid. You know what you're going to do, son? You're going to be the starting quarterback. For the Uniola Blue Hawks or whatever these things are over here. What are we? So we're purple, but what is it? I don't know. What, what, we're something. We're somethings. Tanks. We're tanks. No guns at school, but we're tanks, man. <laughs> zero, zero tolerance here on violence, but we are the tanks. So, you know, you're going to force that on your kid, and he's just not cut out for it. I mean, he's 5'3 and 120 pounds. Come on, man. Be tender with them. Don't expect from them what they can't do. Don't pressure them to pursue your dream rather than their own. Show them your approval, that you approve of them. Show them your love. Be consistent with your discipline. Otherwise, you're going to pretty much create a raging teen. Then you go running to Pastor Joe. 
Can you help me with my teenager? Yeah, just, we just lock them up for the next four years. That should do it. Let me tell you a story. I, I, I read this. Uh, it happened to a guy I do know, but uh, I wasn't there. It's somebody else wrote the story. And, but the guy was, uh, uh, he was a Ph.D. student when I was at Mid-America years ago. And uh, Chuck Quarles. And he had an opportunity to sit down with a very renowned theologian that has written so many volumes of theology books. And so if you're in that realm of reading and study like I am, you know, these, this is like, man, this guy is the dude. I mean, he puts it out. And it's like he's churning out these huge, massive volumes of, of theology. You know, it seemed like every year, like, man, what is this guy? So uh, Mr. Quarles had a chance to meet this guy. And he said, uh, Quarles said, can I take you for lunch? And the guy's a theologian said, yeah, you sure. I'd be glad to go to lunch with you. So they go to lunch. And so during the course of conversation, uh, Chuck Quarles, who, who is a theologian in his own right, very smart guy, he says to this renowned theologian, how did you do it? How in the world could you produce this much volume of theology and study of the Bible and, and, all, and be like this kind of person? Everybody knows you. How did that happen in your life? And he said this, I sacrificed my son. And, and, and Chuck said to him, you, you, you did what? He said, you heard me. I sacrificed my son. And he said, what, what do you mean? He said, I spent all of my time, every waking moment doing this. I ignored my son and now my son is a drug addict and he's homeless. And so Chuck said he didn't know, he didn't know what to say. He's kind of stunned. And here's what that theologian said to him. He said, Chuck, I can see it in your eyes. You're thinking about following in my footsteps. I pray to God that you never do. Guys, in being a father, we can conquer the world, can't we? But what good does it do if you lose your own children in the process? I know many, many pastors that have lost their children because they let the church eat their family. I was, I was pastoring a difficult church. And man, it, it was, yeah, it was combative. It was ugly. I just, finally, one Sunday, I was up to him. I said, I'm going to tell you all something right now. I came here with three people. They're sitting on the front row. I'm going to leave here with those three people. Whatever I have to do to preserve that, that's what I'll be doing. If that includes you guys, great. If it doesn't, great. But these people are not up for sacrifice. These people are off limits. You don't critique. You don't criticize. I don't really care what you have to say about them. I, that is off limits. Almost had it out with a deacon in the parking lot one time at that church over it. I probably said some things a preacher ought not say. But as a father, 
You have to do the same thing. Do not let Kenworth eat your family. Do not let Mead, whatever they call it nowadays, eat your family. Don't, don't, let, don't let your career, don't let your business eat your family. Because it will. But instead, you do want to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. What do they need besides a tender and understanding father? They also need a teaching father. Now, let me, let me, also, uh, let me also make a comment to get myself in lots of trouble and um, pretty much assure that 50% of the population uh, will not be on, yeah, will not give me a good approval rating, but that's beside the point. Let me say this word to moms. Get out of the way and let the dad parent. If you're one of these domineering, got to have it all my way kind of ladies, God bless you. Take that out on other people. But you have got to let your husband be involved. Don't correct his parenting in front of your children. Don't override it. You support what he does. Now, if he's not doing it right behind closed doors, y'all can talk it out. But you're going you're gonna to raise feminine boys if you keep on doing that. James Dobson wrote a book on bringing up boys. And one of the leading causes of boys going into homosexuality is this, this very thing. A domineering mother. The dad has is, is learned to be quiet to keep the peace. He's learned to kind of withdraw. Now at work, man, he's a go-getter. But at home, he kind of has learned, man, if there's going to be peace here, I'm just going to have to sit back and kind of let her do it. Ma'am, you need to push him forward. You need to push him forward. Say, we've got a problem here with the boys. It's your turn. It's always his turn. What, what are you going to do about it? What would you like me to do about it? You put him forward and you make him lead. Make him lead. Fathers, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That is a teaching father. Bring them up means to nurture them with tenderness and thoughtfulness. Nurture them. Discipline is teaching by action. See that word? Discipline. Bring them up in the discipline. Teach them by action. Yes, sometimes discipline is <gasps> spanking. Oh no. It should never be done in anger. It should only be done under certain circumstances. And that is this. If your child is defiant and purposely disobedient. That kind of rebellion brings the harshest kind of response. But it always should be in love. Still be tender. You're not trying to kill them. Even though you'd like to. Be tender. Don't create a little demon who thinks the world revolves around them. Do you know, you know when you bring your kids to church, do you know what you're saying to them? The world doesn't revolve around you. It revolves around God. Because your kids are like, we don't want to go to church. Why not? You have to sit there. Yeah. It's awful. Yeah. It's boring. We want to stay home and play Mario Kart. <clears throat> You may come anyway. You know why? Because it ain't about what you want. Your life is not about what you want. Your life is about what does God want. <clears throat> you teach them that. 
Instruction here. Instruction is verbal teaching. What does the Lord want in your child? What does He want? He wants character. We learned some things in our parenting class. We were doing this during vacation Bible school. And just teaching character in your kids. And just ask your seven questions about your kid. Does your child share or is your child selfish? The nursery workers know. Does your child connect behavior to their expectations of of God? Or do they just do what they do to avoid punishment? Does your child think that academics and sports and leisure are to be sought out at all costs? Or does he or she seek first the kingdom of God? Does your child show honor and respect to adults? Or do they think that they are in the position that's worthy of respect and honor? That they're first place. Does your child respect authority? Or does your child think mom and dad will go down and tell the teacher a thing or two if they tell me anything? You're teaching the kids something. I was pastoring church one time. A little boy walked out at nine years old. He said, Pastor, I want to tell you something. I said, what? You're a fool, he said. Nine years old. Now, you know what I wanted to do? <laughs> I didn't. But I went after his dad. I said, dude, you got a problem. He said, you know, kids are kids. I said, I'm going to tell you something right now. It's just a matter of time before he points his little bony finger in your face and says, Dad, you're a fool. I'll do what I want to do. Nobody tells me anything. And I said, so, sir, you got your homeschooling going on. You got your little play Mennonite world going on. You got everything going on. And what you're doing is you're structuring your world so it's no trouble to you. But you're not teaching your kid character. See, his parents had a little problem with authority of the church. They thought they were separate. So they taught their kids that. If you go home, you're going to roast the Sunday school teacher or the deacon or the pastor. Just expect your kids to rise up and do the same thing to you. They will. Teach them the Bible. You know, uh, how do you teach the Bible? Here's how you don't teach the Bible. You don't teach the Bible where every page you're saying, Now, Johnny, God thinks you're special, and so do I. Let me just clue you in on something. Uh, the Bible ain't about Johnny. It's about Jesus. You see, we, 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 we go wrong when we're teaching the Bible to our kids, and we don't make Jesus the central figure in every story. Every single story. You know, we teach Noah in the ark. You know, we teach our kids about all the animals, which is a great thing. What kind of animal do we have here, Johnny? It's a giraffe. Yeah. What is this? It's a duck. Yeah. How many ducks do we have, too? Quack, quack. And so we have all that. You know, we don't teach them. What is that ark? It's Jesus. Judgment's coming, Johnny, on everybody that doesn't listen to what God says. And if you do not flee to the safety of the ark of Jesus, you will go down in judgment. I just want to let you know that, son. That's how it works. That's how it works. We don't teach that. We don't teach Jesus' central figure. 
We're going to teach Cain and Abel what we teach. Don't get mad at your brother and sister and kill them. We think that's the point of the story. It's not the point of the story. The point of the story is there are those who offer the acceptable sacrifice who is the Lord Jesus. That's the only sacrifice that is acceptable for our sins. And then there are those that try to do it by works like Cain did. And God rejects it every time. Johnny, you cannot get to God by being good. You can only get to him by accepting the sacrifice that he's prescribed. There's no other way. We teach the story of Abraham. See, Jesus is the hero of the story. Jesus is the hero of the whole Bible. The Bible is one story. It's God's story. And it's about the Savior. Right in the center of all of the story is Jesus himself. That's how you teach your children the Bible. It's not just a group of stories that you teach about characters. Listen, all of the heroes of the Bible, they all let us down. Do they not? The one common theme of all the heroes of the Bible is this. They let us down. Every stinking one of them. Every one of them. You know, I look at Moses. I think, what a great leader. You know what he was not very good at? Being a father. I mean, I look at Samson. Samson, man, man, Samson had it all going on. I mean, he's like Mr. Universe, good-looking, everything. He just couldn't obey God. He didn't get it right until he was blind. He never saw what he's supposed to see until he could no longer see. That's Samson. I think about Gideon. Look, we talk about Gideon, the great hero, and what he did. You know what happened with Gideon? He allows the people to build an idol to himself. In the end, they all fail. They, they all fail. They all need the grace of Jesus, every one of them. We teach our children the Bible that Jesus is the central character, not them. Don't water it down. Build it up. Teach it like it's supposed to be taught. Dads, you need to be the central main teacher of the Word of God in your home. Do not do that. To your wife and say, you got to do it, honey. I, I don't read well. Well, let her read it and then you teach it. That's fine. But, but you, you can teach it. Do it. See, th- I mean, there's nothing like teaching David and Goliath and just saying, and you know what happens at the end, kids? Why? David cuts off his head and takes it to the king. They won't teach you that in Sunday school. <laughs> teach them the scriptures. Dad, you got to do it. It's a manly thing to do. Just get in there and do it. So, children for Christ. What do you do? Okay, so the habit for children, what is it? You obey. Your heart, honor. Honor your parents. And what help do you have? Your dad's supposed to be helping you. Look to your dad to be the helper. Say, well, pastor, if my dad doesn't come to church, then you need to start praying for him because you need him. You need him to fall in love with Jesus so that he begin to teach you the things of Jesus. Begin to pray for him. Now, If you're a child here today and you look at your own life and say, Pastor, the bad examples about children is what I see in my own life. What do you need to do? You need a heart change. You need a heart change. You need to repent of being so selfish and just living for yourself. You need to turn away from this. I've got to give up living that way. It doesn't please God. Secondly, realize that you deserve hell for being so disobedient and disrespectful to your parents. You deserve to go to hell for that. You've dishonored God, disobeyed Him constantly, repeatedly. 
But the good news is there's a Savior who's taken your punishment for you. He went to the cross. Jesus died on the cross in your place. Took the punishment that you deserve for being so rebellious and disobedient to your parents. He rose from the grave to prove that what he did, he wasn't kidding. It's real. And if you will give your heart to Jesus and start following him, then you'll be forgiven of everything, all the disobedience that you've ever committed. And he'll change your heart and help you to honor your parents like you ought to do. If that's what a need is in your life today, then you need to come to Jesus. I'll be here waiting on you. Because I want you to start following Jesus at a very, very young age. Start loving him, following him, and showing the world what it looks like to be a child for Christ. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for instruction in your word. Thank you, God, for giving us from our early days all the way up what it means to follow you and to love you. Lord, how we failed so often. Lord, some of the adults here in this room, they didn't have the privilege of growing up in a Christian home where mom and dad taught the scriptures. I pray, Lord, that you'd help them as parents now to make up for the years the locusts have eaten. Lord, that you would accelerate their growth in Christ so that they would be able to hand that down to the next generation. Lord, I pray for the children that are in here today hearing bits and pieces of what I've said, but Holy Spirit of God, you can take it and use it in their heart. So I pray for those children here today that need to come to know Jesus. They've said the right things about Jesus, but their hearts never changed. Still just as rebellious as ever. Still just as dishonoring as ever to their parents. I pray, Father, that you would work in their heart today. Help them to see they need to come to Christ. They need to trust Him and love Him and believe on Him and be saved. Lord, I ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.